0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. The podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with hypnotist Asad Meki. We talk about his career and his current touring show with improv legend Colin Mockrey, which is a combination of hypnotism and comedy improv. It would be fantastic if you could subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, share and review it, because doing those things helps more people to find it in the future. I'm working on various projects at the moment, including on my YouTube channel, where I'm doing guitar lessons and videos about creativity. I'm also teaching people guitar lessons one-to-one over video call, and I'm performing occasional live stream gigs on my Facebook page. You can find out more information about all of these things on my website, which is robertlaymusic.co.uk, and I'm on social media as Robert Lay Music. Okay, here's my conversation with Asad Mekki.
1: Hi Asad, how are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Thank you, Robert. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very good. We're a bit of nice weather here in the UK at the moment, so kind of enjoying that from inside, looking at it through the window. You know how it goes.
1: I, I understand. I'm uh, sitting on my balcony, uh, wishing that I could go run run the streets of Toronto at the moment. But unfortunately, that's not, that's not an option.
0: How is the situation in Canada vis-a-vis a lockdown? What's the, uh, the it's
1: okay. I mean, at the point where we've we flattened the curve and um, our health care is not overburdened at the moment, um, that is at least in Ontario, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're okay. The, the elderly have been hit quite hard, uh, unfortunately, um, but uh, uh, overall, the, the ICUs have not been overrun. So, you know, we're just uh, fingers crossed. Uh, They come up with a vaccine sooner than later. I've been reading about how there's some Oxford scientists that look like they may be able to come come up with something by September Mm. uh, of this year. And uh, that would just be absolutely phenomenal um i know that uh, a lot of uh media outlets are saying that and experts are saying that they wouldn't come out with a vaccine until potentially next year so it would be great if the oxford guys can come through that would be phenomenal they're <laughs> going to start trials we've already started trials if i'm not mistaken yeah and uh, they're doing quite quite large numbers so
0: yeah our media is obviously all full of that at the moment as well um so yeah. yes, we shall we shall see how things develop. Um it's an interesting thing, isn't it? There's a situation that I don't think any of us have lived through before, but yet it's affecting everybody in the world. It's a situation yeah. that everybody's living through, but I guess we're all having quite different experiences as well. It's it's very it's kinda of fascinating, isn't it?
1: Yes. I've been I've been lucky I haven't been touched uh heavily by the uh virus that my family's all healthy and my, my- Family's all healthy, uh, but I definitely do feel for the people who have been touched. And you know, this is uh, such a, a, a catastrophic event for the human race. It's uh, it's unbelievable to see it in our life. It really is our. Uh, you know, we haven't lived through a world war, but I mean, this is pretty much it for us. Mm-hmm
0: and how quickly things change as well isn't it well, i guess that's the way history is when you're living through it just you know because you always look back at things and they seem in quite a linear fashion don't they but actually to go through it two months oh. ago it was none of this was on the cards and yet it's changed oh. all our way of life
1: it's just it's, it's unbelievable how quickly it happened Yeah.
0: and how had it affected in you in terms of um you know work and creativity were you should you have been out doing some shows at
1: the moment Oh yes, we should have been. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of our shows have all been rescheduled mm-hmm. uh, because of the, the virus, and uh, you know it makes sense because obviously there's no chance of being able to hold any kind of uh, theatrical events and these type of. Uh, mm-hmm. This kind, of, excuse me, this kind of scenario. So, uh, you know, I understand. And again, just fingers crossed that uh, your, your brilliant UK scientists out of Oxford can come up with uh, with a uh, a vaccine, and or they'll come up with a therapeutic that will uh, that'll knock this out of people's systems quickly. So, fingers crossed. I'm yeah, hopeful, absolutely. and I am and, and I'm an optimist.
0: Good. And how much does being an optimist fit into work then? So tell us a little bit about the tour that you should have been out doing at the moment with Colin Mockery, because how that show works. It sounds crazy and amazing.
1: Yeah, the show's phenomenal. I mean, it's so much fun um i'm the hypnotist on the show i bring up 20 volunteers i hypnotize them whittle it down to the best five or six hypnotic subjects enter mr colin mockery from whose line is it anyway colin then improvises with the people who are hypnotized on stage while they're under hypnosis and the show is absolutely hilarious i mean colin is just such a gifted improviser uh you know some people sometimes the people on stage who are hypnotized are hilarious sometimes they are very stoic and not, get, not giving uh, too much information, you know. They're not exactly uh, vibrant improvisers, okay. But, but Colin, on the other hand, can make even the dullest um, of them on stage. They can, he can create something that's hilarious. So it's been an honour and an absolute pleasure to work with the guy. He is a, a, a savant and a legend, uh, as far as I'm concerned, in uh, in the world of the improv community.
0: And how did that show come about? What was the initiation of that?
1: Yeah, so I actually was travelling around the world performing my one-man show, HypnoHype. Uh, I was touring and performing um, on Carnival Cruise Lines and Celebrity Cruise Lines and Disney and uh, i wanted to get better at my craft so i ended up taking classes at the second city mm-hmm. while i was there oftentimes in uh, the second city is a big training center here yeah. uh, uh, in north america and you know they have they have extensions around the world um and um yeah i just uh I, I just wanted to get better at my craft and study improv there and oftentimes the in, <coughs> the uh instructors would say You're too much in your head. Get out of your head. Meaning you're consciously constructing the comedy. Yes. If consciously construct the comedy, the secret to good improv is to make it look effortless and not to look, not to try too hard. But first time improvisers, they really try to, they really try to go for the jokes off the top. Mm -hmm. And it's just not that funny. Um, and what I realized was when they were saying, you got to get out of your head, you're too much in your head. I realized they were saying, stop consciously constructing the comedy. Stop, excuse me, stop consciously constructing the comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let that comedy come out unconsciously. That's what they wanted. They wanted unconscious reactions from their students, right? And that's what <laughs> the Second City is all about. They do all these confusion games up front, up top, to get you to a point that the comedy is just a knee-jerk reaction. And that is the essence of great improv. So... I was sitting there in the class and I realized, huh, that's what happens when somebody's hypnotized. Because when somebody's hypnotized, Hmm. the part of the brain that deals with self-reflection becomes disconnected. So the person no longer reflects on their behavior. They just carry out the suggestion. So I thought to myself, okay… And, and, and everything that's coming out of them is coming out unconsciously. So they're not thinking about the, the what they're saying. It's just automatically coming out of their mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, wait a second. So if I hypnotize somebody who's a first time improviser and, and give them a suggestion, could I make them into a, a, a really critical improviser stage? And the answer has been a resounding yes. I mean, the show has been absolutely you know well received and uh, we've gotten some rave reviews. We've uh, toured the show now, uh, just for Laughs Montreal sold it out there. Just for Laughs London did quite well there. I uh, went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2016 and then was so successful we were brought back 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been really blessed in that. The show has been you know, so well received from audiences around the world. And, uh, now we're in the middle of a, we were in the middle of a North American tour. Hmm. We did approximately, uh, 40 shows already, and we were going to complete another, I mean, we're, we were booked up until, uh, mid 2021, uh, because the shows were going so well, but things are, again, are all kind of on hold, yeah. uh, because, because of COVID. So, um. Yeah that's kind of uh that's kind of the state of the union right now where everything is, is on hold. But uh, after I should I should go back to my story. Um after I uh I realized that um with great improvisers they are getting unconscious functioning. Yeah. Uh, and after realizing that you could hypnotize somebody with no improv experience and make them into a good improviser, I thought well why don't we why don't we combine an improviser with a hypnotist on stage. And that's where I got the concept of, of hip prop from. So I reached out to call mockery's manager vis-a-vis uh, his website. Uh, his, his manager picked up within 24 hours, Jeff Andrews, now my business partner um, and said, you know, this is intriguing. I would love to see how hypnosis and improv can blend together. Let's meet up. We met up and, um, within 2 weeks we were practicing on stage at the second city i mean uh-huh. colin and i had no colin and i had absolutely no rehearsal we uh-huh. just had an audience of 100 and uh i said you know colin going to hypnotize people throw them into skits with you and he said well you know i hope it works <laughs> <laughs> We got on stage and uh it was it was really magical. The first night, show went so well. Jeff Andrews, Collins longtime manager, again my business partner now, ran backstage and said, You know, I think I think we've got a new art form here. And <laughs> uh, you know you look like we won the lottery, Robert. Yeah, I like just won.
0: when a business manager sees something that might sell tickets, they're they're very happy people, aren't they?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> We practice up at the Second City Main Stage, and uh, we were going on after the main stage show. And they were selling out the main stage show because people wanted to stick around and see our show. And right. then from there, we ended up from there that's when we ended up going through and performing at just last Montreal they had fringe festival and and what have you and now we're probably we started around uh, 2016 so we're now four years in mm. and uh, as I mentioned before, we were booked into 2021 and uh, there's been a lot of interest I mean a lot of producers have been kind of coming our way and talking to us and agents too. About potential runs in Las Vegas and potential runs, you know, pretty much all over the world. But again, that stuff has kind of dropped away because, you know, we've been hit so hard with COVID. Mm. Uh, Again, fingers crossed, right?
0: Absolutely. And a couple of things to pick up from that then. The first thing with the the COVID, then, and having this time and this great pause that so many of us have had thrust upon us, how Mm -hmm. is that? working for you is that a a time to be creative or you finding out a time to switch off from all of that stuff and actually take the opportunity to to not be that person do you know what I mean I feel like there's a bit of an existential thing going on for a lot of us where we're yeah we can't do do the main thing that we do so what are we
1: yeah you know I've been taking this time to get into really good shape uh and, and exercise I mean I'm pretty much exercising uh every day And uh, eating right and sleeping right. And I'm with my fiance. So, Mm. uh, I mean, it's kind of like a little honeymoon for us in that. I mean, I did 19 shows in the month of January. Mm. So when I say 19 shows, I mean 19 different cities. So to to be able to kind of have some downtime. I mean, we've been going since July. Like, I mean, we did 40 shows between July and uh, January. So for me, I'm used to... Uh, You know, I'm used to, because I'm performing on cruise ships, I'm used to being this kind of solitude in that sometimes we do transatlantics, you know, taking the ship from Europe, going across to North America. And we do seven days and it would be, you know, rocky. So you'd have to be stuck in your cabin. And I've I've had an experience that, you know, obviously not to this degree, but I've had an experience of having kind of being in isolation and being alone. Mm-hmm. and knowing what that's like so i mean you know it just hasn't really uh uh i guess it hasn't i don't think it's really affected me from a psychological perspective also you know a lot of people they create and this is something that that i i always do a psychological trick for all the people that are listening right now is that oftentimes the way that people psych themselves out or make themselves anxious is they create a negative outcome into the future yeah. so if you create a negative outcome in the future you will create anxiety if you create a positive outcome into the future so like so, yeah, everything's going to work out in september i'll give you the example okay mm-hmm. here are the two options that you can keep in 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 your mind okay you can have two options One is, and this would be anxiety producing, uh, we're going to be stuck here for for the foreseeable future. In two years, they're not going to come up with a vaccine. Uh, We're going to be on lockdown, and life as we've known it will change forever. Mm -hmm. That's massively anxiety producing. (laughs) However, (laughs) if you create, if you focus on, something positive, which is in the news right now, the Oxford Oxford scientists are coming up with the vaccine. It's going to be ready in September. We're going to be out of this, uh, by the fall because the vaccine will work. They're Mm. 80% confident that it's going to work. If you keep that image in your mind, well, guess what? There's not much anxiety, right? Yeah. That's what I focus on. So I, I take, I put my attention on the positives Mm. and if you create that positive outcome in the future all the anxiety drops away
0: and i guess the thing with that as well is if you're focusing on the positive outcome and it doesn't go that way then you when it you know when it turns up you can then look at the situation and act differently whereas focusing on the negative isn't actually going to change anything
1: you recalibrate recalibrate right then and there so if it doesn't work out at that moment in time then you think of another positive outcome right that's that's the whole thing Tricking your mind into staying positive by creating a positive outcome in the future. If you create a catastrophic outcome in the future, you will be anxious. It's a guarantee. So if, on the other hand, you create a positive outcome in the future and you really believe it and you really focus hard on it, yeah. everything will be all right. Um, that's where uh, you know I, I have a motivational uh, MP3. That's downloadable or an audio program. Mm-hmm. If you go to entrancingentertainment.com, um, it's a it's a motivational uh, program where you can focus on goals way into the future. And by creating those images in your mind's eye, um, that will that will a hundred percent decrease and allow that anxiety to drop away because you're you're creating only positive images in, into the future.
0: Mm. And talking of positive and negative outcomes, so I've I've done some improv and stuff in my performing career. I've never done any mm-hmm. hypnosis, but I've done some improv. So both of those art forms seem like potentially quite dangerous <laughs> in the sense that you're going on stage having no idea what the – well, I, I not no idea, but you don't necessarily know how the show's going to go and what the
1: people you get up on stage are going to be like. So, oh, it's a comedy high wire act. Yeah. You have no idea what's going to go. Well, you have no idea what's going to happen on stage, for sure, because you're dealing with people that you you don't know. I've not prearranged anything with the people who come up on stage, right? So mm-hmm. the 20 volunteers that come up on stage, I don't know any of them. And, uh, you know, yeah. nothing's been preset, and Colin is just riffing off whatever they say on stage. <laughs> Sometimes at the beginning, you know it's interesting at the beginning, Robert, uh, when I look back at the beginning of the show and the mm-hmm. you know the first the the first few shows that we would do, I would see that the show the skit started to bomb, and I would stop the skit short, yeah, because I was so worried I was like, oh no, how are we gonna get out of this? this is uh-huh. terrible, this is The skit is bombing. And then Jeff Andrews, Colin's manager would say, don't do that. Stop cutting the show. Stop cutting the skits off short. Mm. Don't do that. Colin will, Colin will make it funny. He will, he will find the funny. Only Mm. stop it once you hit, once you hit a crescendo. And sure enough, I did it. And I, I didn't stop the skits. And, you know, oftentimes he would hit it out of the ballpark right off the bat, Mm. right off the bat. But at times, um, he, you know, the skit would fall flat at the beginning, fall f- even more flat and then look like it was bombing. And then Colin would resuscitate the skit. Mm-hmm. Colin would make the skit funny. He would make it even funnier because I mean, the audience is like, oh no, where's this going? Yeah. But, but then he pulls a rabbit out of hat out of the hat at the end and, uh, everybody's cheering and, and, uh, applauding. Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting to see that Colin is a true professional in that he can allow the he can allow the experiment or skit to breathe on stage Mm -hmm. in that it doesn't have to be funny, funny, funny all the time. There can be moments in time where the, you know, the, the bit isn't funny. But all of a sudden, it becomes extraordinarily funny because of the fact that it wasn't funny up front. So it's been a, it's been a real pleasure watching him work. You know,
0: yeah. And you'd mentioned how the the sort of mindset of being the performer um, crosses over with with hypnosis what about in what you're doing to the audience so obviously you're if you're hypnotizing someone do, is there a crossover in just what an improv performer does or what any type of performer does on stage when they want a certain reaction from the audience or they want to present themselves in a certain way to the audience
1: there are certain uh certain elements as a performer that i that i utilize when i'm on stage so for sure a component of hypnosis is is a body language and showing that you're congruent with your body language. So if I went up on stage and said, you know, hello, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a hypnotist. I would like to perform in front of you and hypnotize a bunch of people. Well, that's not that, that's not uh that convincing right but yeah. if i come up on stage and i say if you want to feel more relaxed than you've ever felt before in your entire life <laughs> if you want to have a great time tonight come up on stage right now come on up if i if i change my physiology and my vocal tonality uh my you know tone tempo timbre of uh, and volume of voice yeah. and i change my physiology to show that I'm completely congruent in that I will hypnotize people on stage then yes you'll get a way better outcome mm. so there is a crossover when it comes to hypnosis and impro- and improvising and or performing on stage mm. um that's just one of them
0: cuz yeah you'd mentioned that you went to second city to to develop those skills but obviously if you'd come from doing your one man show and your uh your your mindset and your mentoring, and then you already already had those skills and it was just a matter of developing them. So how would they how had you worked on those before? Had you got a history in another type of performing?
1: Yeah, so I mean I'd always been a public speaker. The second city helped a ton. The mm. the second city yes and is key. Yeah. Because what really throws you off as a performer is you think you think uh, the skit's going to go one way, but it goes another way. Yeah. And that would always throw me before I performed at the Second City, or excuse me, before I took courses at the Second City. Once I took courses at the Second City, I would just yes and, meaning I would say yes to the person's suggestion that they give up on stage, mm. whatever it is, and then I would add to it. And that is the uh, basis of improv. The way that you create great improv scenes is somebody says a statement, mm-hmm. You say yes to the statement. You don't negate it. You don't say no to the statement. You say yes, yeah. and then you add something uh, in addition to that, uh, to to for that person to then your partner to then build on, and so on and so forth, until you pre- create a seed. And that's the basis of uh, the sec- second city's yes and So I didn't understand that concept prior to um, going to the second city. After going there and learning that concept, definitely helped me.
0: Mm is it possible to hypnotize anybody are there some people that it doesn't work with
1: yeah I would say that for a stage hypnosis show 20% of the population are really good hypnotic subjects so they're what you call a somnambulist so you can produce positive hallucinations negative hallucinations and amnesia on anything Mm. so so they are the best hypnotic subjects so a positive hallucination would be I'm going to count from 1 to 3 when I reach the count of three, you're going to see an elephant in front of you. One, two, three. Negative hallucination is I'm going to count for one to three. When I reach the count of three, the audience will no longer be there. One, two, three. Um, uh, amnesia on anything is I'm going to count from one to three. When I reach the c- count of three for some strange reason you'll not be able to remember your last name one uh-huh. two three the person forgets their last name as uh-huh. amnesic of their last name so that's 20 percent of the population yeah we don't understand 100 percent what makes these people that way um they some of the research indicates that this people who are able to dissociate from their surroundings are really good hypnotic subjects mm. so people are able to get so caught up in what they're watching what they're reading that they're moved to a physiological response they're really good hypnotic subjects Mm. And hypnosis is a very normal, natural state. You're cycling in and out of trance states all the time. You cycle in and out of trance about four times an hour, uh, daydreaming. Mm. So you're constantly coming, going in and out of these, these trance states. So when I call people on stage, twenty percent are the ones that are really, really good hypnotic subjects. That's why I start with twenty and I work my way down to about four or five. Okay. Um, because I need those. I need that. I need that large number in order to get the people who are going to be somnambulists. That being said, when it comes to motivation and habit change and generative change, they, the best, uh, you don't need the best hypnotic subject for that. You can have somebody who's just a, has experiencing a light trance phenomenon. You can still get, you can still get change. So you don't need that, uh, 20%, let's say, so you can, there's a small, very small percentage of the of the, um, I would say the audience that can't be hypnotized, and those people are usually people have IQs that are less than 60, so they don't have the ability to focus or concentrate. Developmentally delayed, they're the individuals that uh, it's it's much more difficult. So a lot of people will say, "I can't," uh, uh, you know, "I can't be hypnotized." Hmm uh and the answer is you already have been many times you're constantly cycling in and out of trance states
0: but you're not aware of it on a, on a level you're you just recognize. not aware of it
1: you can see it i mean have a conversation with somebody yeah you'll see them start to you'll see their eyes defocus and you'll see that they're not paying attention to you they're going into a hypnotic trance state
0: yeah and how about skeptics then do you have people turning up to the shows who are determined that they're not going to believe that you're hypnotizing people
1: Oh yeah, that that happens all the time. Um, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, we were challenged. We were we, some people wrote some nasty reviews saying, "Oh, it was all staged. They're using plants. They're using stooges. This, that, and the other." I said, I wrote back. Uh, it's there's something called uh, I think it was a comedy magazine called The Chortle. Yeah. And I wrote, yeah, so I wrote something called uh, the Punchback in the chortle magazine. And I basically said, and the punchback is where comic, if comics get skewered by critics, mm-hmm. they're able to rebut. Right. So my rebuttal was, um, all right, if you can prove that I had any contact with any of the people on stage who volunteered, I'll pay you 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. Crickets. Crickets. Not, no commentary, nothing, <laughs> not a word. Don't you send me an email? Nobody gave me a call. <laughs> anything robert because the answer is is i don't have i've not had any any um uh excuse me i have pre- pre-arranged anything with anybody mm. i've not had any contact with the people who are on stage i may have you know made contact by shaking hands with them prior to quickly yeah to say hello yeah uh just you know, but i wouldn't know them from adam yeah. uh that may have that may or may not have happened but i mean I, i've not pre-arranged anything with any of these people
0: and do people like that then become sometimes good subjects or are they always just determined that it's not? I guess, though, if you're asking, is it a volunteer at the start of the show, I guess?
1: You could be a skeptic. Oh, yeah, I've had tons of skeptics go on stage and then be hypnotized and be great hypnotic subjects. That happens
0: <laughs> That must be um, pretty sweet, though, when that happens.
1: Oh, great. It's great. They, <laughs> and then they say, you know, I never thought I'd be hypnotized, but wow, <laughs> you know?
0: And what about the difference in nationalities then as, as you've done the show? Uh, so the UK, have you done other parts of Europe as well with the show, did you say? Uh,
1: so we've done London and we've
0: done Edinburgh. That's okay. where we've And then North America. So how how do audiences differ, differ in, say, Canada, the US and, and the UK?
1: Sure. I would say, like, so the New York crowds are pretty tough in that they want it right away. Like, you have to bring it right off the bat. Right. They are... They are typical New Yorkers in that they want it, uh, you know, right away, get to the point and you better be good off the top. Mm. They don't necessarily have the patience. I'm stereotyping, but, uh, that's been my experience. But if you knock it out of the ballpark for them, they love you. Yes, they love you. They will, you know, they will, uh, absolutely, um, uh applaud for you and give you a standing ovation and and cheer like nobody cheers. Huh. Uh I found that the West Coasters, the people out of California, LA, they're a bit more subdued, more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can weave a bit of more of a tail before you get right into it. And they're a bit more forgiving off the top. Mm-hmm. Uh the Southerners in the US, they're just, you know, <laughs> gems to perform in front of, really want to see you do well. Oh. The people from the South, you know, that Southern hospitality, mm. they have a tendency to be very polite crowds and they want to see you do well.
0: Mm-hmm. And how does a British audience compare?
1: Oh, the British audience is great. they are lots of fun. They've had a lot of exposure mm. to hypnosis, right? Between Keith Berry and Darren Brown, and Paul McKenna, they've had a lot of experience. So they, have, you know, they, they know what they're in for. So they're pretty rowdy off the top. And these this. The uh, Edinburgh crowd was particularly rowdy. We did the show at ten o'clock at night. Uh, oh, that's on pretty, the, on
0: pretty perfect Edinburgh show time, I would guess, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was pretty. The punters, they were nuts. They were a good time. It was, it was lots of fun. They were uh, pretty rowdy, and uh, you know, I, I had a blast with them.
0: Okay, said that's that's been really fascinating. Thank you so much. If people want to, I usually say at the end of the podcast, "What have you got coming up?" But as we've mentioned. A big pause is sure. what's coming up for everybody. Um, <laughs> but, but where can people check out the stuff that you've been up to and, and hopefully see some of these rescheduled tour dates as well?
1: Sure. So uh, for Hiprov, so the show that I perform with Colin Mockery yeah. from Who's Line, you can go to hipprov.com and that's h y p r o v. Mm -hmm. And then if you'd like to take a look at my motivational audio program for all of you in COVID right now that want to focus your mind and motivate yourself. Like I said, I've been training pretty much nonstop since uh, I've been in lockdown. You can go to entrancingentertainment.com and you'll be able to find my motivational program there. You can also Google me, Asad, A-S-A-D, hypnotist, and I'll pop up.
0: That's wonderful. Asad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I found that really fascinating.
1: Thanks very much, Robert. Take care. Talk to you
0: soon. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community, and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch. Let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you. till next time, goodbye.